What is up around the ACL here? It's me, Michelle Thompson, with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. Welcome, guys, to the show. How are y'all doing today? Good to go. The dream. There wasn't much cornhole on this weekend, but there was good football. So I watched a lot of football this weekend. That's true. That that helped us get through the the slump, man. That one weekend slump. But luckily, luckily, we have one coming up this weekend. We have open number seven coming up this weekend in Louisville, Kentucky. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to have Morton's Corner coming up. And then we're going to have news around the league. And then a new segment, Contender or Pretender, which we'll go through when we get there. And then we're going to go through some predictions on the ACL awards. And I will be participating in that. So uh, get ready for it. But let's talk about the Open coming up. Uh, what are your general thoughts for this Open, Trey? What do you think? Uh, really? Last chance. Right, pro season starts February 11th through the 13th. We'll be in Las Vegas for the 2022 kickoff battle. So for me, last opportunity for pros to get some tune-ups in. There may be some regional events, or maybe even a conference event, a state championship, what have you, where pros can play in maybe the weekend before that first national. But this open is going to be the last opportunity to play in a loaded field against some top players. It is sold out. So for me, I'm just trying to see who is hot coming into it. I'm a very firm believer that this is a big thing for me. If if you're hot now, you're going to be hot for the next month or so, right? People go in waves, and those waves don't fall off a cliff. They generally don't spike out of nowhere. In general, it is it is an ebb and flow and a general ebb and flow. So for me, trying to see who is really at the top of their game at this last open before the national season started, I think is going to give me the best indication to who is at least starting this pro season at a high level. And do you think that's important for like a rookie, for example, to hit one of these opens before a national just to get that practice in? I would say a hundred percent. You have to, you have to, you have to simulate elite level competition. Now, most of these rookies, especially the ones that we're going to key on, have played against top-level talent. That's part of the reason why they're in the pro division now. But for a select few, maybe even some out of the West Coast or from a region where they did really well, went through open standings, haven't played at a lot of nationals, didn't go through the qualifier, or maybe did go through the qualifier and just haven't played against those top-level talent, That that's going to be a big indicator. You kind of have to start to gauge yourself because if you walk into that national without any big game experience it's going to be a little bit overwhelming and sometimes that can overlap into play that makes sense no beginner's luck here huh none none no, <laughs> such thing. no luck what do, you, what do you think anthony yeah trey, trey taking the same angle i was thinking you know nationals number one two and a half weeks away and if we're calling these open kind of to this point like the preseason if you will to the pro, pro division then this is it i mean it's the last chance for the pros to work out whatever they've been working in their preseason preparation Last chance to break in bags for all those guys switching over to new bag companies to get into this, that perfect break-in point. Last chance for new teams to work out chemistry and strategies uh, and bag choices as well. I mean, you don't always have an exact match in those partnerships. Um, and what's exciting for me, kind of a general thought, is it's going down in Kentucky. So a state playing an important yeah. role in the in the history of Cornhole, if you will, and a state stacked with future Hall of Famers, and current beast in the game. I mean, check out some of these Kentucky baggers. Matt Guy, Brett Guy, Greg Geary, McGuffin, Lester Price, Derek King, Damon Dennis, Philip Hayden, Jordan freaking Langworthy. I mean, the list yeah. goes on. You know, Morrison, Zockline, Stevens, Glackhoffs, Doss. A lot of baggers out of Kentucky. And Mish, not to forget to mention 
home of ACL team Lumberjacks, where team captain Dennis swooped up <laughs> everybody in Kentucky and the surrounding <laughs> states. Um, but to be serious, uh, a great cornhole state. And this open number seven is an important one for the pros to prepare for the approaching pro season kickoff battle. I'm looking forward to seeing DD. We haven't seen him in an open yet, right? No. I think, I think we got to one, but it was yeah, quiet. We got a little taste of him, yeah. Did we? Okay, I was trying to think if he had gone to one because just we haven't seen him really at all at these. So what are some single players that we should watch out for, Trey? Yeah, this is, again, I'm trying to identify people that are, are, are who I'm watching. And this is, a, this is a weird one to start. I'm not necessarily looking at Greg Geary and Jimmy McGuffin as a team because I kind of know what to expect, but I'm kind of looking to say, are Greg Geary and Jimmy McGuffin going to be elite level singles players this year? That's kind of a weird thing to say, but especially Greg Geary, he didn't have the best 2021. He had a great 2020, didn't have the best 2021. So for me, really, really excited to see if he can kind of uh, uh, get over that hump that he had last season. That's going to, that's going to be exciting to see. And then, you know, for me, it's, it's a lot of the normal big hitters. It's the people that, um, you know, we've been, we, we've been talking about all season long, people like Matt guy, but one person in particular of that guy family, I'm very interested in seeing is Brett guy. Okay. Brett guy hasn't been the same. Now I know they won uh, an open event. They almost won another one, but, in a way, can we attribute that to Matt Guy being at the absolutely unbelievable level that he has been? Has Brett Guy fallen off a little bit? I know that's kind of very controversial to say at this point, but I haven't seen Brett Guy in singles yet this year be a top 10 player like he was last year. Mm -mm. Last year, he was named the captain. The reason he got to, to draft his team of sliders is because he was a team captain. So for me, looking at it's kind of almost weird to say that I'm interested to see how Brett guy plays in his home state here, because I want to see him build a little bit of momentum there uh, going into this, this first national of the year. And then the last one, before I let Anthony talk about his uh, singles player, Lester price. Yeah. Anthony mentioned it as a player, as someone that has, kind of become a legend in the game. Yes. One of the most clutch players of all time. I mean, I mean him and Brett Guy, I think, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with how clutch they can be. But was Lester Price below average last year? The answer is yes. If you look at his ranking, we talk about scrolling on the page. You had to scroll a long time to find where Lester Price finished in pro single standings last year. Bernie Neighbors got some heat from saying that Lester Price wasn't the level that he was years ago, but I 100% agree. Lester Price was not Lester Price last year. So what do we get? Is Lester Price Lester Price this year, or do we get more of the same that we had in 2021? Interesting. Now, do we know at all where Brett Guy has been finishing in singles offhand? Like, is it been not even in the top 10? <laughs> He's been, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, I think on one of them in Asheville, he was like fourth in his bracket or something like that. But when you have four brackets, it's just, it, it's yeah. not the top 10 level expectation. I mean, he was running through people last year at nationals and I have yet to see that this year at an open. Well, maybe saving it for the Nationals. What do you think, Anthony? Yeah, good call on Brett Guy. And, and to mention, you said top 10. <clears throat> in fact, Brett Guy took 
fifth in singles last season. So to your point, Trey, we should be seeing a lot more of him in these opens. Uh, Lester Price, like you said, 162nd in singles. <laughs> he is a way better player than that. We know it. <clears throat> I know he's going through some health things right now, too, trying to get that figured out. But <clears throat> really love your, love your angles on those two. But I definitely want to say the stars cannot align anymore for Matt Guy in the singles. If we go to open number seven last year, he won it. And here we are at nope open number seven again this year. He's in his home state of Kentucky, like you were saying. And Trey, you said when you get to the finals, it's like flipping a coin. And we talked about this last at the last episode. He's calling heads three or four times in a row, and it keeps being tails. So I feel like he's due. So uh, definitely looking for Matt Guy there. And then for me, also players to watch, Derek King in the house and in his backyard. We got a little taste of Derek King at open number three. Uh, but nothing really since at a national level. You know, what does the 2022 Derek King look like as we're going into a national one, number one? And he has a solid partner this year. Uh, I know he's certainly grinding at both the physical and mental part of the game, preparing himself for the upcoming, upcoming season. But we're talking about an elite level broadcast talent that could pop off at any moment. We're just kind of waiting for that to happen. And you'll be hard pressed to find anyone in the game not rooting for a Derek King comeback. Uh, I know I am. So I'm certainly going to be keeping an eye out for him this weekend. Isidro Herrera. Why is it so easy to forget this guy? It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. crazy. The dude, he's so quiet. He's super chill. He's on the low, low in the cornhole scene. You just don't see him a lot. He's only competed in five total events all year. That's locals, regionals, wow. conferences, opens five events, but but he could easily come out of this open number seven and win singles and doubles. I mean, that's how good he is. Um, and to mention, Isidro was one of five players last season that finished in the top 10 of both singles and doubles. So Herrera, a player to watch this this weekend, just because we're finally getting a little taste of him uh, after open number one, I think it was the last time I saw him. So what does this game look like going into that national number one? So those are my kind of singles kind of stands out for me. I like it. Let's go in the doubles, Trey. What do you think? Doubles, doubles is fun. Uh, one that sticks out to me, Doug Zaft and Bill Hadley. Yeah. I would say a leader of the West, a team that we've come to know as really a top 20 team, almost guaranteed. And then the question is, do I get a top 10 version of them? So they're playing in their first event together this year. They're playing in an open. They're having to travel across the country to do so. That tells me this is a tune-up, right? They didn't play in any opens. They said to themselves, we're going to play, we're going to tune up, and we're going to get ready for this national. So I'm really excited to see how consistent if they're, they're still going to shoot like they normally can shoot. That's that's a team that's really um, excited for me. Another one, Jacob Foreman and Matthew Creek Killer. The reason I look out for these two is because we have been hearing all of these different things about how elite singles players that they are. I have yet to watch either in-person as a pro recently, I got to see a little bit of Jacob Foreman a couple years ago. Definitely not the same player that he is now. So, so now I'm looking to see Cree Killer and Foreman with all of the hype that comes with them now pairing up together. Hype tells me this should be a mortal lock top five finish. But we all know that hype doesn't always, you know, lead up to, to what we actually get. Last one I'm looking at, Bob Vonch and Terry Nathis. This team, 
a bunch of old school players, <laughs> but they are playing together this year in the in the pro season. First time they're playing together this season uh, as a team. So interested to see how they finish. What kind of team, what kind of ceiling do I have for them? We know Bob Vonch has played exceptionally well. Him and Danny Seals have made some good runs in some of these events. They won a pro invitational qualifier in 2020. But Terry Mathis now replacing Danny Seals. Honestly, I think Terry Mathis has better upside than Danny Seals. But Danny Seals just always seemed to have that ability to just find a way. You would watch Danny Seals and you'd say to yourself, there's no way this guy actually wins all these games. And he just somehow did it. So Bob Vaughn's transitioning over into Terry Mathis, I think is going to be an interesting partnership. I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. They're going to have some chemistry and some charisma, I think certainly, but don't know what the upside is. So excited to see it. I noticed the Gore brothers split up and one of them went with Eric Davis. So I'm very curious about how that's going to go and why, why they split up. I don't know. What do you think, Anthony, about doubles? Yeah, I kind of broke those up into two categories. I've got my first one's going to be expect deep runs. Uh, we mentioned McGuffey, McGuff and Gary committed pro partners, again, approaching a national number one. We expect a good showing. They looked really good in Myrtle Beach at the USO Open. You know, McGuffin's health looked great. And Greg Gary blew me away. I mean, evolving his game. He's throwing a nice roll bag with his pro snipers. I mean, we're talking about a top of the food chain airmailer who now has a roll bag in his back pocket. There are scenarios in a game where you can't airmail and you're left with, I'm just going to board it. Or if you have a roll bag, it gives you a little bit more probability of getting something out of it. So I was really impressed with him out in Myrtle Beach. I already mentioned Isidro, now back in the mix with Ryan Windsor, another committed pro partner team going into nationals. Expect a big run from them guys in, in this uh, in this weekend. Powers and Graham, strong all year. Excited to watch them. And then, of course, Zath and Hadley out of the West. You already mentioned that one, Trey. Henderson Hisner are back. We haven't got a lot of them yet this season. Again, going into a Nationals number one, you know, top five contender doubles teams expect a really good run uh, going into this Nationals uh, with this open coming up. Matt guy, Brett guy, already have one, expect something out of that. Now, category number two is going to be, you know, don't sleep on these guys. And my first one, which looked really fun, and these are both, you know, elite level players, was Harbaugh and Fuentes. Um, a unique pairing that surprised a lot of people. I mean, I saw that when I was like, whoa, what do we got going on here? But Devin, the reigning open doubles champ, can he get two in a row? I don't know what history shows on that um, of, of winning back-to-back opens, but he's certainly playing at the top of his game, unconscious right now. And Fuentes just consistently deep in brackets. I mean, we're talking about a bagger who plays with max confidence. He's got a deadly airmail. He was one win away uh, from his bracket final at the last open, losing a close one, 21-16 to Modlin Schlobaum. So I'm keeping an eye on, on that, uh, you know, that category of don't sleep. Another unique pairing, Birchfield and Bernisette. Yeah. Two <laughs> national singles champs <clears throat> from last season coming together in doubles. I mean, that one's pretty cool. But where do they go on bag choice? That was that my question. What bags are they going to throw? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think there's a bigger bag question with Fuentes and Harbaugh. Yes. So I mean, that doesn't make any sense when you talk bags at all. At least, you know, Birchfield, Birchfield, give him a little bit faster of a bag yeah, and, and he can bag. still be all right. Bernasette's going to love speed. But Fuentes is a cat bag throw, a hardball, obviously throwing a sticky most of the time, probably throwing combats. It just, ooh, I don't know. Yeah, I did catch those guys uh, before the show to ask the same question. Where are you guys going to go with bags? And Fuentes has actually been throwing carpet a little bit. I guess there's those Kanga X's. Um, that would kind of fit into both of their game. But I think that's where they'll go on bags. But that would probably be, you know, 
my most concern uh, about there's always them a there. flick side on a carpet bag right that's, <laughs> so. that's true so, so you're saying they're gonna throw they'll probably throw the kangas yes that's interesting because now you're taking fuentes away from hit not only you're, you're taking them both away from their ideal bag you're trying to meet somewhere in the middle which is not mm -hmm. what i normally see normally i see someone go i'm gonna either go all with your favorite bag or all with your favorite bag, not try to meet somewhere in between, which I think is interesting. Yeah, definitely interesting. And the one thing about Fuentes' game is, is most people think he's just a, a fast bag. You know, he's actually plays a really good block strategy with fast bags. Now the key to having a carpet now in his hand, he can't be too shallow on those blocks. He's got to make sure he's getting right. deep enough up the board to clean up and collect later. But um, my last one, Trey, went right where you went. Um, definitely a team to look at, not on anyone's radar, and that was Creek Killer in Foreman. Rookie pros this season and committed partners out of Oklahoma. And these young bucks bring all the shots. We're talking about some young players. Um, Elite-level dirty game, with the and it makes them unique. They have the capability of high-ceiling uh, PPR. So, you know, you've got those dirty bag players that can never seem to average more than a 9-5, but these guys can get into the 10s even with that slow-style game. So, Mish, definitely going to keep an eye on those boys uh, in this coming weekend as well. Awesome. I will as well. Let's go ahead and switch to Mike. We'll go from Morton's Corner. He's going to talk about some rookies, some interesting stats. So, welcome, Mike, to the show. Hey, gang. <clears throat> Glad to be back. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Really excited about this weekend, too. Can't wait to get out there to the Midwest and, and see uh, where Cornhole was born and have some some great great fun out there. Watch a lot of great Cornhole. You are on brand today, Mike. I am on brand. Oh, my God. Got a bunch of new <laughs> swag in. <laughs> the, the merch truck has entered the building. Yes, um, yes, yes. <laughs> the truck backed up the driveway yesterday. <laughs> Perfect timing. All right, looks kind of golf-esque, I guess, to me. I like it. Yeah. Fancy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that, All right. That's my that's my look. Perfect. So and you've accomplished so the look. So I, I wanted to talk uh, about rookies a little bit. Um, you know, is is you know we'll, we'll get into a, a bit later. We we're trying to look at maybe some of the uh, the award winners for this year. And and as I was examining all the the various categories, the rookie category for me, I just come I kept coming back to it that literally I could pick a dozen different names that could win rookie of the year and it wouldn't surprise me. Um, and there's even some outside, there's some outside that dozen that could throw together a couple great tournaments and, and end up really high in the standings. Um, so I just wanted to talk about the strength of the rookie class this year. So um, before what I did for research is I went through the first six opens of the year and I looked to see how all the rookies performed. Um, thus far this season, as we get ready to kick off the pro season, understand that the opens are not the exact same thing as the, as the pro nationals, but they're good warmups and you get, you get your look at, at these players playing against elite level competition and kind of see who stands out and who doesn't. So um, before we get into some of the, the, the numbers and who's done well so far, you know, without tipping your hand for rookie of the year at this point, guys, who do you think your top two or three rookies are? Anthony, for me, I, I'm, I'm okay. Go, ahead, Anthony. Um, top three, uh, definitely want to put um, Josh Holland in there. Alex Hicks, really impressed with Noah Almanza um, out of the gate. And like you said, there's 12 or 15 other guys that maybe we haven't seen enough of them in opens, or they just haven't had great right. open showings. But 
easily could be another 10 that could be in the mix there. So I'll give you those three to start. Okay. I like I like Anthony's. I'd probably lean. I like to lean experience, so I'm probably going Tanner Halbert, Josh Holland, and I'd say probably flip a coin for me uh, on on Alex Hicks or, or Noah Almanza, but I would not sleep on Trey Hunt. Oh, Trey Hunt, <laughs> definitely a good sleeper. All over it lately. What about Alex Rawls? No. Yeah. So, so uh, we, I think, what, he's, what do you think he's up there, but he's if we're talking top three, he's not in my top three. <laughs> All right, I just what, say uh, top three. I said Josh Holland as well. Um, and then because I'm not as familiar with a lot of the rookies except for the West ones, you know, I think that Nate Voyer could make a run uh, for rookie mm-hmm. of the year as well. Um, but yeah, that's it was really tough to look at that list and pick one. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so guys, so far through six opens. There have been seven different rookies that have won a bracket. Not bracket finals, not top three, top four. Seven different rookies have won a bracket. I think that is just um, absolutely amazing. That's an average of more than one rookie winning a bracket per open. How many of them won? How many of them have won two brackets? One of them. One of them. (laughs) One of them. And I'm sure you all know who it is. Noah Almanza has won two and he tacked on a third place bracket finish in, in a third open. So definitely showing that he is to be contended with. So the, the names of the bracket winners, Noah Almanza has won two. Brendan Ballard has won one. Um, Alan Rawls as of this past open has now won a bracket. Alex Hicks, Josh Holland, Nate Voyer, as, as Mish mentioned, and here's one that people will forget about. Kenzie Beach won um, in Cincinnati. He won a bracket. Yeah. So seven different names. Now, I want to throw this in there. In addition to the seven people that have proven that they can win a bracket at a large national tournament. I've got five more that have multiple top four finishes. So, okay, you win a bracket. We know you can win a bracket. In my mind, if you can come in the top four twice that just means breaks didn't go your way but you've got the talent you could very easily win a bracket so added to that the list of those seven we've got tanner halbert he's got a second and uh, uh two fourths and we've got justin rule with a second and a fourth mm-hmm. austin Schlobaum, a third and two fourths um eric zockline a second and a third and Alex Rawls with a second and a third. So there are 12 players right there that have came in either two top four finishes or have won at least a bracket at an, at an open. Wow. Any of those surprise you? I mean, I know at time. Honestly, I think the biggest surprise is still Alan Rawls. Alan Rawls is still my biggest surprise, no doubt. Um, And I've got to tell you, looking through through all these opens, Alan Rawls, that was not a fluke. His numbers have been solid. Alan Rawls was not a fluke. So, Which is is funny. Now, I think Noah Almanza was surprising the first time. Obviously, yeah. once we had seen it done once, seeing it done the second time is never going to be as surprising as the first, but still. So, so you kind of lead me into something that I wanted to, to touch on, on on the slide that we're going to show. Um, 
when Noah won in Cincinnati, there was, I, I'm not going to say it was, it was any, you know, anything negative about his game, but it was kind of like, well, he was a last man standing. He was very solid. He won clutch games when he needed to He hit clutch shots when he needed to, but he, he didn't throw over a 10 PPR. He didn't have an outstanding differential. He just did what he needed to do and took care of business. So Trey, if you've got that slide, let's, let's pull that up. And uh, I just want to show you, these are the top rookie performances through the singles in the brackets so far this year. If you look there, Noah Almanza's name is listed twice in PPR. One of them is a 10.23. So, and then a 9.97. So you label Noah just a, you know, a survivor at your own peril. I mean, those are particularly impressive numbers. Again, the third and fourth highest numerical rookie performances on the year. Alex Hicks, of course, with that phenomenal performance in Virginia Beach. <laughs> this does not include the numbers from the finals match against Matt Guy. This was just bracket play. A 10.27. Josh Holland, again, a 10.26. And then uh, we see uh, Eric Zockline and Austin Slobom, which we haven't really talked about a whole lot, rounding out the top five there with a couple 9.93s. Um, DPRs, a little bit different story. Um, we had Nate Voyer taking down uh, his bracket in Rapid City with a phenomenal DPR of 1.46. Um, Alan and Alex Rawls, both uh, with a uh, over a one DPR. And then Brendan Ballard and again, Noah Almanza making the top five in DPR too. So he dominates that, that, that chart. Um, kind of maybe still flying a little under the radar. I don't know what, what, yeah. what do you guys that think made, about those lists. That made Anything me rethink. Shocking. Yeah, that made me rethink who I put as rookie of the year. Now, now <laughs> let me let me back this train up and say that's what's happened for the first portion of the year through the first six yeah. opens. All right. The rubber's hitting the road now. So I'm not taking yeah. anything away from any accomplishments thus far in the season. But when we're talking about who's going to win rookie of the year, for instance, we're talking about who's going to turn it on in two weeks and, mm -hmm. and ride a hot streak through the next five months or so. And, and so. another thing, you cannot measure in the quote preseason what it's like to play on that ESPN stage. You cannot you do cannot. it. You absolutely cannot. You know, Which, um, in order to win rookie of the year, in my mind, you're going to have to play well on that court. Yeah. You may be you could you could play poorly on that court and still finish second or third on my ballot. But if you're gonna on my this is me, <laughs> you're gonna win rookie of the year on my ballot, you have to play well on that stage. Yeah, That's I all. agree. Prime time, a prime time player. You know, one way to look at these is um what do the peers think? And we could look at the draft, right? We could look at the draft and say True. what does the ACL pro peers think about these rookies so josh holland went number one he was the well not number one but the number one rookie, rookie. uh picked mm -hmm. out of that so I kind of, that that definitely aligns with what you're saying but i kind of going down the list everyone else that you mentioned there tanner was picked two rawls was picked three um and i'm talking just rookies zockline the one that wasn't mentioned and he was a second round pick berkeley pair i don't think you mentioned him in any of your finishes did you i did not um berkeley pair um has has played in at least a couple opens um, he's been pretty solid, but he didn't have two top four finishes. Um, and the two opens that I that I caught for him, his differentials were a 0.11 and a 0.23. They 
They, I think he had two finishes between fifth and eighth because that's what I was jotting down was anything in the top eight. Um, so he, he was a 0.11 and a 0.23 in differential. And uh, his PPRs were 8.55 and 8.9. N- not too shabby. And, right. and definitely a couple finishes, if you will. But if you go through a fir- your first couple opens and you're not, you know, and you're not placing in the top four, three or four, there's definitely got to be a little bit of a question mark as you as you head into the season. So I've seen Berkeley yeah. Pear play as good as anybody in the country. I oh yeah, I mean no I've doubt. seen him literally unbeatable. But I think he's going to be a good example of what the, the rookie class is going to have to go through. You're not used to showing up at a pro national, and there's no chumps. There's there's you might get a game where you're not fully challenged. Then you're going to be challenged. And then by the time you get to your third game, you're going to have to win about four or five matches in a row against some real, real elite competition. And I don't think a lot of the rookies understand that or have been through that. They they will go through a tournament and even a conference. Maybe they have two or three easy games and then a mediocre game. And then maybe they're challenged a little and they don't really run into anyone super, super tough until their last two or three matches. We could um, circle back to Trey's uh, Trey Trey Hunt comment. Um, you know the pro division doesn't doesn't value him as much as you thought. Trey, he went fifth round, sixty eighth pick, like number twenty two of out of all the rookies. Um, what about Almanza, Anthony? Where did Almanza go? Almanza he was, was actually faster the- because the draft took place after, right after his big win, after right. he won the the national. Mm, I mean the it. Open. So I think everybody he was, was fourth, very fourth rookie or maybe fifth. I was going to say he went high and and it might be one of those things where at least I pumped the brakes when I first heard the pick. I said, is this too much of a reach? But, you know, Almanza followed it up. So it's more justifiable as a pick. Uh, It was early. I believe he's on the cutter. So Eddie Grindersley took him. Yeah. So So I got a few other names that I thought I thought were kind of kind of tough that, you know, I, I really either didn't see on in my research or they didn't finish as well as I thought that I still think we need to kind of keep an eye on um, Derek Holland. Um, Derek has had some, some strong performances, at least statistically. Um, he, he's got to have, you know, more than one to, to, to really prove himself. But I think Derek Holland can be super dangerous. Um, there's been a lot of hype around Jalen Jones. I think Jalen Jones can make some noise this year. Can he make it all the way to rookie of the year? That might be a bit of a stretch, but can he win a bracket? Um, I think he certainly can. Um, I spent last week talking up Connie Altice. It wouldn't surprise me to see her sneak up and take a bracket. Uh, Mark Richards is a nice sleeper out of the yeah. Midwest. If you haven't if you haven't seen him play, you're you're in for a treat when you watch him. Blaine Rosier, I think he's a former college uh, player. I've been impressed with what I've seen out of him. Mason Morgado, everyone's talking about him out out west. Um, Jareth Nichols, Jeremy Frazier. The, the, the talent, it's just crazy. Um, yeah. Jacob Foreman, Matthew Creek Killer. Haven't mentioned the ladies other than Connie Altice. Um, you know, we've got uh, Megan Moppin, Miranda Coy, even Deb Odom. Um, a lot of new ladies in there, too. But this rookie class is going to shake up this pro division. I'm yeah. telling you, <laughs> when you look through what they've done at the Opens, it's, it's amazing how consistently well – and it's not just four or five of them. It's about 12 to 15 of them that have really done exceptionally well. 
We're, we're close on time, Mike. One last question, quick. Look at this year's rookie class. Look at last year's rookie class, okay? Last year had Matt Guy, Brett Guy, Eric Davis, all those players. Is this year's better? It's deeper. Deeper. It's definitely deeper. Okay. The elite level talent. I mean, obviously, when you have an infusion of of Matt, Brett, Eric, no, I'm not going to say that the talent at the top is 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 better, but it is deeper. Without a doubt, it is deeper. Fair enough. I can agree with that. All right. <laughs> it's great. It's been great having you, Mike. We're going to move over to news around the league. All right. And thanks for joining us. Thanks, All right. Mike. Cheers, everyone. So we had the Southeast Conference that was happening this past weekend. And as we talked about, there's Trey Hunt in first, Tanner Havler in second, and then third, Kyle Malone and Sam Finley. Sam Finley making a run. Yeah. I was excited to see that on social media. And then for advanced doubles, Kyle Malone and Cody Johnson. And then in second, Tanner, ha Tanner Halbert and Jordan Camba. So um, I was just super pumped for Sam. But obviously, Trey Hunt's been killing it lately. So good job, Trey. All right, let's move to a new segment called Contender or Pretender. So I'm going to read a name, and then Anthony and Trey are going to say Contender or Pretender of whether or not they'll make a final four in either pro singles or pro doubles this season. All right, you guys got it? Got it. All right. All right, here we go. First no one. Feeling, no feelings hurt, please. We're not hurting <laughs> disclaimer, yeah. All right, Trey, Josh Gross, Contender or Pretender? That's such a bad word, if you're like, Pretender. Yeah, it's yeah. tough. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Um, Josh Gross, former advanced doubles world champion. I don't, I really don't think he gets it done in singles. Uh, it's, it's, it's only gotten tougher. I haven't seen the improvement over the past year that I've needed to see from Josh Gross to contend on the single side, which means it's got to take on the double side. He made a bracket final last year with AJ Sims. I think they come really close. I'm still going to go pretender. I think they maybe make a bracket final and come up just a little bit short so they do not make a final four at any of the nationals or the world championships. Josh Gross, I'm giving pretender. Anthony? Yeah, this one was really tough. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go the other way. I mean, I, I'm on the fence on this one. I agree completely. Contender in doubles with AJ Sims. The historical talent is there. Um, but based on the one open appearance that we got and the one success or the one conference they've had where they had some success against some heavy players out of, uh, out of Texas, I'm feeling like it would take them to ceiling. Um, but I feel like they can do it and pull out a top four finish. Uh, I'm going to go with a contender. I'm going to put myself out there. Jay. Okay. Next one, Bill Hadley contender or pretender. Mm. This one's hard. This one's really hard. Uh, I, They're all hard, because, right? I know. Ceiling floor, again, I think we could get a ceiling on either singles or doubles to maybe make a final four here. I think, ultimately, I'm still going to go pretender. But similar, a similar outlook as, as AJ Sims and Josh Gross for me in, in, on doubles as I am Doug Zapt and Bill Hadley. I think they're a team that makes a bracket final at some point this year. But when you make the bracket final, maybe they lose early, come through the loser's bracket, and they have to go up and double dip someone like a Mack and a Jamie Graham, and that just becomes a really tough task. So I'll say pretender. Sure. Anthony? I'm going to go contender. Um <laughs> 
you know, what's working for them is returning as pro partners. So they've got history there. They've got chemistry. Uh, if I remember correctly, they were a top four nationals finish last season. I want to say it was that game yes. where Jamie Graham hit that insane push. Was that, was that top four? That was top four. Yeah. That um, was a semifinal. Yeah. So they were in the finals and then not, I mean, Jamie right. lost <laughs> that with this insane shot. Um, yeah. I, Contender. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough, but I feel like they could contend for a top four in one of the Nationals and Worlds. Okay. Derek Holland, contender or pretender? I'm going to say contender on the doubles front, for sure. I think Josh Holland and Derek Holland collectively as a rookie team are too talented. Derek Holland may come close in singles, may upside and get in and sneak into one of them. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily bet on it. But at the same time, I just think Josh and Derek, too talented together. I'll say contender. Anthony, agree? Yeah, I'm going to contend on this one, too. Um, Finally. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the strongest partner out of the ones we've talked so far, right? So he's partnering up, which if, if we were going to do a contender on singles alone, Josh Holland, obviously a top four singles contender. Um, so he's got a solid partner. And Derek throwing pretty good bags himself this season. I'm going to contend. I'm going to go with contender. Wow, that's the first one you agreed on. Okay. Trey Hunt. Contender or pretender? I'm going to go contender. I am going to say contender, and I'm going to say it in singles. Yeah. I am impressed with what I have seen so far from Trey Hunt. The numbers don't lie. He's been consistent. You tell me he goes to an event with Tanner Halbert, Kyle Malone, Cody Johnson, Cheyenne Renner, Justin Rule, all of those players, Jordan Camba, and he wins the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That is impressive. That's what we saw this past weekend at the Southeast Conference event. I am bought into the hype on Trey Hunt. And then, hey, if, I, if I'm not right on singles, he still gets to play with Cameron Belvin. And they, they, they should have a shot as well to contend there. I'm going contender. Yep. Anthony? Yeah, these are all hard. Um, Hunt, definitely, like you said, looking nice at the start of 2022. Um, showed out at the Southwest Conference. You, you mentioned everybody in that field. I think it's going to be on the single side where he has the best shot. You already mentioned Cameron is his his uh, doubles partner. They took fifth in their bracket at the one open that they played against. They didn't. He didn't finish in the top four of the discussion in singles. I think he's a top fifteen contender, uh, but I'm going to go with pretender for top four. Oh, he did not buy into the Trey hype. <laughs> All right, last one: Derek King, contender or pretender? Uh, this one's hard. Uh, this one's hard for different reasons, right? Because we just, the other ones, we we don't know what their upside is. Derek King, we, we know what the upside is. We've, we've seen it. The upside is a world championship. I just don't know if Derek King can get back to that point. I'm going to say pretender in the hopes that it motivates him to focus and really drive forward. I uh, I just, I just don't think he's there quite yet to back to where he used to be. And when that comes back, watch out, because he is going to be a force to be reckoned with. For now, I'm going to say pretender. Okay. Anthony? This one's a mystery. And we're going to find out at Nationals number one. <laughs> um, so if Derek King came out and won a doubles title this year, and it wouldn't be a blindside. It wouldn't be a surprise. I mean, clearly we're talking about a Hall of Fame-level player He's been a huge part of Cornhole's history 2022 and back. 
Uh, just looking at some of the stats. He was the number two ranked doubles pro in, in the 2020 season. He's a two-time world champ and a two-time national champ, all in doubles. So I had a phone conversation with him back and forth uh, on some DMs. I mean, he's making strides on his regrip thing that he's trying to fix. He's finding new motivation in the game from uh, success coaching others, and he's progressing on the mental side of the game. Put that together with a beast right now in Devin Harbaugh. I believe that's going to be his pro partner this season. I'm going to go with a contender in doubles. I think he can pull that off with Devin Harbaugh as a partner and him making his progress in his personal game. Okay, cool. Well, thanks, guys. We're going to move into our next segment. We're going to go into our ACL award winner predictions. And uh, we'll start with you, Trey. We'll go through your predictions first. Then we'll go Anthony, and then we'll go mine. So let's see it. What are your predictions? Oh, she wanted to go last, Anthony. She yeah. Said, I, don't, yeah. I, I, don't, I want to make sure I, right. I can uh, get hey, all the these. the graphics always... already created. I can't change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Throw. That's true. All <laughs> right. So award winners, if I'm predicting, I'm trying to – envision the entire season I, I i went with i think nothing too crazy but at the same time it's it's got some flexibility in here uh matt guy mvp playing so what is mvp i think maybe in the first one i can kind of explain all of the awards the mvp who we think has the best overall season across pro singles and pro doubles this entire year matt guy is on fire right now in singles. You pair that with a reigning best doubles team in the world last year with Jamie Graham, you just have a recipe for success. I think Matt Guy is going to have the season that he wanted to have last year, and, and ultimately he's our MVP. Doubles team of the year. I think Jamie Graham and Matt Guy are right back there again, but I think Jordan Power and Jay Rubin, I think Jay Rubin is going to sneaky, sneaky, sneaky come in here and have an incredible first national. Nobody's paying attention to him as an individual. I think him and Jordan Power are not going to be fun for anyone to play against. And I think ultimately the best doubles team. Um, uh, when, when we talk about team of the year, man of the year, woman of the year, we're talking about through the entire season, even through the world championships, the number one ranked pro doubles team, the number one ranked pro singles male player and the number one ranked pro singles female player at the end of the season. So I got to go Matt guy here. I just talked about him being an MVP caliber season. So I got to back that up with him taking the number one spot in singles woman of the year. I think Cheyenne Renner, Connie Altice may give her a little bit of run at some point, but ultimately I think Cheyenne Renner is just too darn good. I was so mad that Anthony and I had the same breakout player. I'm teasing him a little bit there. Oh, we did. I, think, I haven't seen yours yet. This is the first time I'm seeing it. Yeah. So I think Kaylee Hunter, I looked back through her rankings from last year, and she was in that Lester Price level of ranking. She was in the mid to low uh, 100s. I think we get a vastly different player this year. I think we see a huge breakout from Kaylee Hunter. My rookie of the year, I'm going with a former world champion. Yeah, it's a lame take, and I don't care. But Tanner Halbert is coming into this pro season. He has the most experience. He knows how to win on the big stage. Is he throwing the best out of all the rookies right now at this very moment? No, but I don't care. He can even throw away his first national. He throws that one out. I give him until March to be the elite level player that he is. Watch out. And then for my team, I got to go with the bullies. I love the team that Eric Davis put together. The chemistry, the shot selection. He stole a couple picks late. 
ultimately, I really think the bullies are going to be tough. Okay. I like that you called yourself lame. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, let's look at yours. I'm excited. I haven't seen either of yours. All right. I'm going to hop around the graphic maybe just a little bit. Um, but for MVP, um, so like Trey said, we're talking about singles performance, doubles performance. I also wanted to add a major contributor to the team's format for an MVP. You know, in my mind, uh, MVP is also going to be a huge contributor to that team's format. Um, this bagger to me, the most consistent over the, over multiple years, three seasons in a row, sec, he took second in overall singles. He was a top five in doubles, uh, last season. I think he can bring, um, two levels, uh, to the team's format. If they need a player that just needs to have a high PPR and, and overpower someone that way, he can do it. If they need a player that could kind of get in the way and play that defensive strategy, he could do that because his game is so diverse. Um, I'm going to go with Ryan Windsor as, uh, as my MVP man of the year. Um, Matt guy. I mean, we're talking about the highest ranked male in, in, in male in singles only. I mean, that, that's a no brainer. Uh, no one is bringing a more impressive singles game right now than Matt guy. Um, you know, after seven opens, check this out after seven opens in the pro division preseason, um, the results are clearly, uh, pointing to Matt guy. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with him woman of the year. Cheyenne Renner, again, similar comments to Matt Guy, but all the results pointing to her after the season, this one's an interesting one. So she's, uh, after seven open events, Cheyenne has 10 top five finishes. 10. Four of those with first place finishes across women's singles, open singles, and doubles. A no-brainer for me, uh, Cheyenne Renner, Women of the Year. Uh, breakout Player of the Year, Trey, you already mentioned we have the same one there. So kind of running through my logic here, so these are um, these are returning pros. We can't have rookies here. Um, we're talking about biggest rank improvement from last year. So a lot of a lot of players came to mind right away. Jamie Graham, I see him making a huge improvement this season. He was 27th last season. He's now in the top 10 in discussion. You know, someone like a Jordan Power who was 36th last season, I see him making a big jump. Tony Smith was 49th, now in the top 10 to 15 decision, decision, and that's a huge jump. But Kaylee Hunter, 131st ranked pro last season, I think she's showing top 50 promise. So when you're a top 50 over that, I mean, we're talking about 80-spot jump in ranks through her model technique. Uh, she's throwing way more bags this year than she did last. And she's on this powerhouse team with Team Fire. And being on a strong team like that, I think that's going to mentally push her to grind Outside of the tournament play, I like her as breakout player. Rookie of the year, Alex Hicks. I mean, so many standout rookies. I don't even need to go through the list. We already went through the list um, with, with Mike. But to me, he shocked us the most with his open win performance. Um, he showed that he had all, all the shots, you know, whether it was a hole for hole or a defensive game. Um, and he did it going through a Brett guy, a Frank Modlin, a Tony Smith, and the GOAT. Matt Guy, all in one tournament. My rookie selection for the year, the GOAT, uh, the baby GOAT, Alex Hicks. And then team of the year, I like Carpet Burners. Um, I feel like they have the best roster from a raw individual talent perspective. Um, I mean, they've got Matt Guy that will be a key contributor. And we're talking about these team formats. You only got to win four out of seven. And if you can turn to a Matt Guy and feel pretty confident he's going to give you one of those four every time, I feel that immediately makes them a solid team. Connie L. Tice was a huge pickup in the seventh round. She's going to do work. Justin Rules, a standout rookie. 
Jay Corley is working harder on his game than anyone than, than ever before. I don't know if, any, you know, if he's pretty social with this, I know we talk on the side, but he is doing a lot of stuff with his game right now down to breaking down every piece of his technique, getting his body, right. His mind, right. I'd like to see him be a big contributor to teams. Hadley and gross are going to be contributors. So Mish creating doubles partnerships will be the key. I think to this team, um, because we have just kind of a bunch of individual raw talents, how does Ryan piece those together and make teams out of that? I think will be the key. If he does a good job, I see this team uh, being team of the year. All right. Here comes my last. I got 10 seconds. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Matt Guy and Matt Guy, as you know, Cheyenne Renner. None of those are surprising. I picked my doubles team as Cheyenne Renner and James Baldwin because I think that if they keep playing the way they're playing, that's going to be a huge team. Now, I didn't look at the rankings from last season. I picked Jimmy Humans just because he's been standing out to me the most as I've seen him just make some huge moves. And then I picked Josh Holland as my rookie and Woodchucks as my team of the year because that was the team I chose when Trey and Whitney made me pick a team uh, on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And that's a Cheyenne Runner. You can't go wrong. All right, Holy Hot Takes time. You guys told me last time that my Holy Hot Take was lukewarm. So here's a super hot one. Ready? Go. That yes. guy, the next open is going to sweep. Blind draw, doubles, singles. Let's go, Matt Guy. Wow. Wow. Sweet. It's an inter incorrect hot take, though, because he can't play in the blind draw. There's no blind draw in Louisville. Oh, <laughs> then, One third. Uh, we'll give you, we'll give you both singles and doubles, though. My hot take. My hot take. If we put three people on the ballot at the end of the year for rookie of the year, Trey Hunt is on the ballot. Wow. Okay. I like it. Anthony. Hot. Jordan Powers breaks the second place curse this weekend in Kentucky, winning doubles with standout partner Jamie Graham. Okay, there we go. That's all we got today. We'll see you guys next time. Enjoy Cornhole this weekend.